0: Often when people ask me what I do and when I tell them, I will actually get asked half jokingly, of course, if I have classes for parents of kids in their 20s or even 30s because they now have adult children that they cannot connect with. They cannot get through to who are really struggling in life and they feel like they missed the boat. Fixing poor communication or poor connection in relationships is so hard the longer it goes. I hate seeing parents and kids struggle to connect once they hit those tween, teen years and later. This is exactly why I do everything I do.
1: Our family has grown. Welcome to the
0: world, Hannah Baby.
1: Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah Quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.
0: Hello, everyone. So, we all know that prevention in any capacity is much easier than trying to fix something once it's already broken, whether it's a material object like part of your house or car repairs, our bodies, or relationships. Even though parenting goals are going to differ, I think most of us have at least these parenting goals in our top three, and that is building and maintaining a relationship with our child of trust safety and connection. And what I mean by this is by creating and maintaining the relationship in such a way that our kids want to come to us with their problems and struggles. Now, they may go to their friends as well, but they know their friends can't always help them, especially in those teen and tween years. And they need their parents. They need us. And we want them to be comfortable coming to us when they really need it. That they feel safe with us to share their fears, their hurts, and their goals and their dreams, right? There's a lot of kids who don't feel comfortable going to their parents to share their goals and dreams. We want them to come to us with all of this. We want them to feel supported. We don't want them to be afraid that we're going to laugh at their dreams or tell them they need to be practical. We want them to see us as a place of refuge, a soft place to land, and a helpful and positive resource. These relationship skills don't come naturally for most of us. And most of us didn't grow up with them either. It takes intention and mindfulness and commitment to keep learning and growing to create new patterns of relating with our kids. And this is far easier to set up from the earliest days of toddlerhood to really do the work, to learn the skills, to practice them. Now, this doesn't mean we'll be perfect, but that we try, we practice, we mess up, we get better, we keep improving. We keep learning, we keep growing, we stay humble as the parent. We're not always right, we're not always perfect. We apologize when we reacted too big or reacted in a way that really wasn't helpful or we didn't listen well and we grow our skills along with our kids. If your children are beyond toddlerhood and you're still struggling with the skills, you haven't learned them or practiced them like you wish you had, that's okay. No matter where you are, no matter when you start, there's nothing like the present and any unhealthy habits of relating can be reversed and changed. I talk about this today because I got an email from a dad who's really struggling with his 13-year-old daughter. He's really struggling to connect with her. She shuts down. She doesn't want to share much of anything with him, let alone the hard stuff. I get these questions from time to time from parents of kids as young as eight, but mostly of parents of tweens and teens. And often when people ask me what I do and when I tell them, I will actually get asked half-jokingly, of course, if I have classes for parents of kids in their 20s or even 30s because they now have adult children that they cannot connect with, they cannot get through to, who are really struggling in life and they feel like they missed the boat. Fixing poor communication or poor connection in relationships is so hard the longer it goes. I hate seeing parents and kids struggle to connect once they hit those tween, teen years and later. This is exactly why I do everything I do, why I worked with tweens and teens in the school system and in a counseling capacity. I want kids and parents to have the best experience with each other that they can for kids to have the tools they need to thrive and parents to feel effective and especially not fear for their child's well-being. This is an extremely uncomfortable place to be as a parent and for the child. So I want to help parents and children avoid this at all costs. So this is a really important episode today. I'm going to talk about what we can do at each age to make sure we are continually building this relationship of trust and connection. That is our best opportunity to create the healthy, connected relationships with our children and that will help them thrive and become their best selves. We're going to do this throughout their entire childhood and beyond. So the first thing, number one, it's time for us to let go of the stereotypes and expectations around certain ages and stages. And what I mean by this is the negative stereotypes and expectations. We have names for these and there's a reason. Because this is the way most people see these ages. The terrible twos, the 3 nagers, the 4 nados, the voracious fives, the sullen sixes. And then we have the sullen, angry, disengaged, avoidant, argumentative, tween teen years. We hear parents say a lot, Oh, he's just being a teenager. Oh, she's such a tween. Do kids of certain ages have stereotypical behaviors? The two-year-old falling apart about the toast you cut in half and their world is ending. Sure they do. Can tweens and teens have big emotional reactions? Can they be moody sometimes? Of course they can. But the way that we handle it definitely can add to it. And I've seen a lot, and I mean a lot of unnecessary relationship stress and strife created because of expectations for behavior from toddlers all the way through teens. Whatever patterns we set up early, Will often continue throughout childhood unless we do something to change that trajectory, right? A body in motion stays in motion unless acted on by an outside force. Yes, it's physics, but it does apply to human behavior. I really see it reach its peak in the teenage years. And honestly, it makes me really sad because by the time our kids are hitting tween and teen years, they really need us to be mindful and aware of what they're dealing with so we can guide them. With understanding and connection, even more so than when they were younger, because the consequences of their behavior from poor grades to alcohol and drugs to pregnancy to STIs, truancy, traffic tickets or accidents, and much more, those consequences now become much bigger. So, connection building and maintaining is paramount in becoming and remaining a solid influence in their lives. So I'm going to talk about some brain science for a minute that is really fascinating, first of all, but I always find this stuff fascinating. And it has incredible implications in all areas of our lives, including parenting. So I promise this is absolutely relevant to this topic. And if it really resonates with you, it actually can change your life on every single level. So what science has found is what we focus on becomes very powerful. Here's why. We are constantly bombarded by data. In order to not get overloaded, we have to have some way to filter the data. This part of the brain that helps with this filtering process is called a Reticular Activating System or RAS. To a large degree, we form this filter ourselves by telling our brain, whether it's conscious or subconscious, what is important to us, what we believe, what we fear. And therefore, what we want to focus our attention on. Over time, through this process, we will start to attract what we focus on. The RAS is the reason why when you buy a new car, you suddenly see that same car more often on the road. And I can totally attest to this myself because once I bought a Tesla, I began to see them everywhere. Actually, once I started to decide I wanted to buy one, I started to see them everywhere. To show you how the RAS works, right now, I want you to focus on the color blue. If there's any blue at all, you will see even the tiniest bits of it. It will be everywhere. Essentially, the RAS creates a filter for the things that you're focused on. It will focus on the things that validate your beliefs. This happens, for the most part, subconsciously. The RAS filters the world through the guidelines you set for it. And those guidelines are shaped by your past experiences and beliefs. So if you believe your toddler is supposed to be negative and antagonistic and throw big tantrums and get upset over every little thing, guess what you're going to focus on? Guess what you're going to notice more? And then you're going to focus on it. This belief often comes from what we hear from the outside world long before we ever have kids. What do we hear about toddlers? What do we know about toddlers? So when we see the behavior in our own toddlers, it validates that belief. When we hear how tough parenting teens is, how they're moody, they're irrational, they're sullen, they're avoidant, they're angry, they're antagonistic, they're constantly pushing over boundaries. When we expect these behaviors, we actually often subconsciously do things that bring about more of that behavior so that it can solidify our belief system. And I've seen these types of exchanges time and time again in many relationships, not just parent to child, but spouse to spouse, peer to peer, whatever belief system someone has about their spouse or about their parent or about their sister or sibling or a coworker, they will start to notice those patterns, focus on them. And then we start to do behaviors that then add to that or create more of that. So if we change our perspective, our understanding, and therefore our expectations, we can change the behaviors or the outcomes. So for example, for toddlers and preschoolers, if we can see them as incredible, exploding, exploring, curious, developing humans full of potential, but who don't quite have a fully logical brain in place, we will begin to focus on and see their behavior differently. We will see them as exploding developmentally, exploring and curious and full of potential. We will see them as an explorer who wants to learn, not as a toddler trying to make a mess, trying to upset us, trying to get in our way. We will see someone wanting to grow their independence, to dress themselves, to be engrossed in play, not a child who doesn't want to listen or accept our help. If we know teens can be incredible young people who can really come into their own during these years, when they are given the tools, we will behave in ways throughout their childhood that support them in becoming that kind of teen. And we will notice and focus on their behaviors that support that belief. And we will respond to those behaviors favorably. If we believe teens are supposed to be sullen and moody and grumpy and just completely incorrigible, then we will focus on behaviors that support that belief. We will give feedback on those behaviors. We'll tell them what a pain in the butt they are. And we will behave in ways that will create more behaviors that support our belief creating more moody, sullen, antagonistic behaviors. Now, this doesn't mean kids will always be perfect or that you won't see examples of behaviors that are frustrating. There are ways to approach these so we can keep a more positive perspective over our kids' challenging behaviors. I'm going to cover this. More tips for supporting your kids in stepping into their potential as capable, curious, unique people that will surprise and delight you far more than they frustrate and overwhelm you. Right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science Parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply.
1: Our family has grown.
0: Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing
1: a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.
0: Now that we're back, I'm diving more into how we can create and build connection that gives our children the support they need to step into their most capable, amazing selves and make the parenting experience actually a lot more rewarding. So I covered changing perspectives about our children's behavior and capabilities. The second thing we want to do is get... Curious. It's natural to want to react with the same level of frustration, anger, dismissiveness, or whatever it is that we're experiencing from our kids. It takes some real mindfulness to take a step back and ask ourselves, I wonder what this is about. We may react first and then take a few steps back, and that's okay. And I did exactly this this morning with my older son. Now, I'm going to talk about what I mean by get curious and how to engage in the process, and then I'll illustrate it with my own example from this morning. So when we get curious, we are curious about their behavior in a way that allows it to be what it is and understand there's a real reason behind it. Now, we may not love the way they are handling their feelings, their big reactions, and that just means there's some skills that need work. But first, getting curious allows us to see this and then break it down and then work towards each piece that may need some attention. First, we can ask. So first, we can ask for younger kids. This will sound like labeling for them. You seem really angry about, for example, we can't have a play date with Jack. You need to stop playing and come have dinner. You can't have any chips so close to dinner. Then we leave room for them to share. Some kids will just start spilling over and sharing. Other kids, you may need to ask if they would like to share about how they're feeling right now. You'll know it will work better for your child. And some kids just don't want to talk about it right then. And that's okay too. For older kids, you're having some really big feelings. You're having a really big reaction about that video game. What's that about? Now, with my son this morning, this was exactly what was happening. He was having a really big reaction over a video game. And I will admit, I did not say those words right off the bat. I met his anger with anger. I told him if he couldn't control his feelings while playing games, he couldn't play and he was going to have to put it away right away. Plus, his dog was whining for breakfast and he was getting mad at her. So I felt bad for the dog and I was mad that he was ignoring her over a video game. So I let my emotions come in in that moment. So it came out that way. But then I did very quickly take a step back and I got curious. Now, luckily, because I normally do this work pretty well, you know, I'm not perfect, but because our relationship is solid, I usually get very curious. I can usually do better than that. It didn't escalate into bigger and bigger emotions. I asked him, what was the big reaction about? He said he wasn't in a good mood. So again, I asked another curiosity question. It was 7.30 in the morning. Like I was like, what could have possibly happened this early to put him in such a bad mood? So I asked, so why are you in a bad mood? He said it was because he had to go to school and it's a long day. I agree. He does have long days at school. It's 8.30 to 3.40. Those are long. So I asked another curiosity question. If you didn't have to go to school today, what would you do instead? And I said, I'm not asking to be antagonistic. I truly want to know what would you want to do today? If you could do whatever you wanted, what would you do today? He said he would want to play tennis. So we had a nice conversation on the way to school. We talked about many things. I said, number one, it sounds like we need to figure out a way to get you more access to playing tennis. If you could play as much as you want, how many days a week would you want to play? He said, five. And we talked about school, about how his hours are long, but the positive for him is he also doesn't have homework. His school hours are longer because they do all their projects in school. So I asked if he would prefer a school with fewer school hours, but with a potential of one or even up to two hours of homework a night on some nights. I explained how he needs to go to school. Getting an education is not an option, but how he gets his education is an option. So, having these conversations and asking curiosity questions. Now, this is a little harder when they're younger, asking curiosity questions, but you can do it on their level. Once kids get to be five and six, getting more and more into curiosity questions, asking more questions about their feelings, where they're coming from, what that's about, asking what they would prefer to do, asking how they would prefer to do things, what would make something easier, what would make something better, what would make something more fun for them. These are great questions or we can get curious, we can learn, and we may even problem solve with that. I also want to share that I did actually find him some tennis today. So I was super excited, found him another program he's going to check out in two days. So we're really excited. I hope that works out and he can get out to play some more tennis. And that may relieve some stress for him. He really likes to play. I think it helps him unwind. It gets his body moving, gets those endorphins going, keeps all of our systems working better. So I did respond and do what he had requested. Okay, next, learn about child development. Now, just by listening to this podcast, other podcasts, books, if you're a member on my website, you're getting some great information. But if there are holes, if you're feeling like you aren't understanding your child or their motivations, figure out where you can go to fill in those holes. Now, I will say my classes, I think, do a pretty good job of all of that. So there shouldn't be holes. But that's also why we do the parent chats to fill in holes for any questions parents have. But this will serve both you and your child or children 1,000 times over, learning about their development, where they are, when it comes to kids' behavior, when we understand what's going on with their development emotionally, socially, cognitively, physically, the common frustration factors, you want to think of the lack of physical dexterity in preschoolers, lack of language, then they don't have a lot of language to explain what they're feeling, what's going on lack of emotional awareness and regulation. Maybe we think about where they should be or they could be and they might be a little bit behind or how we could help them get ahead that could be a cause for frustration. So just understanding what's going on, why your child is struggling, if it's it's a normal struggle or if there's something they need to catch up on, it's often enough to relieve a lot of stress because once we know what's happening, we can create an action plan which then comes from learning positive discipline and these skills for helping our children with all of these developmental stages. This is the nuts and bolts. The positive discipline is the tools for guiding our child from where they are. Having the tools to connect deeply, guide, and lead them promotes calm, understanding, and Well, connection that kids need to grow up emotionally healthy, confident, self aware, happy, successful. Of course, listening to this and other similar podcasts will give some great foundational information. But if you want more in depth knowledge on positive discipline, child development, where your child is in their stage, if they're on track or if they're falling a little behind, the things they should be able to do, and then the ways to support that, I also have a class on helping kids manage anger, tantrums, power struggles. All 60 parenting classes are on the website at yourvillageonline.com. If you aren't sure which classes are best for your situation, you have a question about which classes to start with or what would be good based on your needs, you can definitely feel free to email amy at yourvillageonline.com. She'll send you the class names and links to those classes so you can see the sample videos, see if they feel like a good fit. Also, I haven't mentioned this in many, many weeks, but I have an Instagram account where I often post video tips. So you can follow that at Your Village Online on Instagram. All right, everyone. I hope this was helpful. Thanks for listening and see you next week.
1: Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection Hannah Soft, made with Tencel.